0: Well, if you have your Bibles, let's look at Luke chapter 19 this morning, Luke chapter 19. And again, we're going to be looking at the story of the mina, the parable of the mina. And we're going to uh, look at verses 11 through 27, and I want to read that for us uh, this morning. Jesus says this parable, and as they heard these things, he proceeded to tell a parable, because he was near to Jerusalem, and because they supposed that the kingdom of God was to appear immediately. He said, therefore, a nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and then return. Calling ten of his servants, he gave them ten minas and said to them, engage in business until I come. But his citizens hated him and sent a delegation after him, saying, We don't want this man to be our president. Reign over us. (laughs) And when he returned, having received the kingdom, he ordered these servants to whom he had given the money to be called to him, that he might know what they had gained by doing business. The first came before him, saying, Lord, your mina has made ten minas more. And he said to him, Well done, good servant, because you have been faithful in a very little. You shall have authority over ten cities. And the second came, saying, Lord, your mina has made five minas. And he said to him, And you are to be over five cities. And then another came, saying, Lord, here is your mina, which I kept laid away In a handkerchief, for I was afraid of you, because you are a severe man. You take what you did not deposit and reap what you did not sow. And he said to him, I condemn you with your own words, you wicked servant. You knew that I was a servant man, taking what I did not deposit and reaping what I did not sow. Why? Then did you not put my money in the bank, and at my coming, I might have collected it with interest. And he said to those who stood by, Take the mina from him and give it to the one who has the ten minas. And they said to him, Lord, he has ten minas. I tell, to, I tell you that to everyone who has, more will be given. But from the one who has not, even what he has... Will be taken away, but as for these enemies of mine who did not want me to reign over them, bring them here and slaughter them uh, before me. Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. And, uh, the people are really excited about Jesus heading to Jerusalem this, this time because they believe that, uh, Jesus is going to be crowned king. He is finally going to, uh, receive his kingdom. The Roman, the Rome, the Roman soldiers, uh, the Roman government are going to get what they deserve and Jesus is going to be king and Jesus knows this and Jesus is feeling the atmosphere around them it's kind of like it's kind of like Christmas Eve and uh, Christmas Eve for a child you know what it's like for a child on Christmas Eve they're so excited about what's going to happen the next morning well that's what's going on in the disciples hearts and Jesus Knowing this, shares this parable. And as he shares this parable, again, we're reminded in this kingdom series that, uh, Jesus is going away. Jesus came the first time, he suffered, he died, he rose from the grave, but then he made some incredible promises that he was gonna go to, to the Father, but he was going, he is going to return. And this parable lays out for the disciples, and not only disciples, but us, because we're still in this, uh, inter-period, this, this between time of already and yet not yet. And so what, the story that Jesus is, the, the parable that Jesus is conveying to the disciples, the followers on their way to Jerusalem, is for us as well. Because we are still waiting for Jesus' uh return. And so Jesus says uh, there was a nobleman who went away. Jesus is reminding is laying out for the disciples, guys, it's not the time. You know, I'm not going to be crowned king right now. Hold your horses. There's a period where I am having to go away. But before he goes away, the nobleman in the parable gives the citizens, the the servants of the kingdom, a mina. And again, the mina is three months worth of wages. He had ten servants, and he gave each servant a mina. They all received a mina. And they were expected to do business with that mina. We'll be talking about what the mina represents in in just a moment. But notice as he gives the mina to his servants, what kind of atmosphere is taking place? What kind of atmosphere is that mina received in? there 's some anger there 's some hostility because the the nobleman who 's going away, not everybody is in favor of this nobleman receiving the kingdom and as Jesus is telling this parable to these uh, these disciples, his audience is well aware of uh, of what 's Taking place in their envirom- environment, right then, because uh, um, uh, King Herod has died, and so there needs to be a new king that takes his place. and And one of the sons wants to be the king, and so he goes to Rome, and he's he's making his appeal to be the king of Jerusalem. And many people are not in favor of that person being their new king. And so they are they are uh, very opposed because they hate that person. Well, that's a picture of how the people feel about Jesus. And not only was that environment in Jesus's day and age 2000 years ago, the church is the same environment today. You know, we're not talking about President Donald Trump right now. We're talking about King Jesus. And not everybody is positive about Jesus. You know, they love God. They'll talk to you about God. But Jesus, that's a different story because Jesus is very narrow-minded. Uh, he, there, there's just one way, and that's rather divisive. It's not... A popular climate today to talk about Jesus. And the same scenario is in this passage of scripture. It's a hostile environment. But again, going back to the story and the parable, the nobleman gives each of the servants a mina. Now, this parable is not like the parable of the talents okay we're we're familiar with the parable of the talents in Matthew chapter 20, 25 and the, the 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 talents in Matthew chapter 25 uh, not everybody received the same talent some, some received more than others but in this story everybody is on an equal playing field everybody see, receives the same amount And so in terms of the minor, what is Jesus talking about here? In terms of us as followers of Christ, what have we all received an equal amount of? Two things I want to mention this morning. Number one, if you're a follower of Christ, if you have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, you have received the gospel. And the gospel is one of the ways that we understand the mina. We have all received a, the same amount of the gospel. And we have a responsibility with that gospel. We've been entrusted with that gospel. God expects us to do business with that gospel, and when I mean do business, it's investing the gospel into other people's lives. Sharing the good news with other people of what Christ has done for them. And when it comes to the gospel, we need to guard Safeguard the gospel. We need to share the gospel accurately. There's some people who are into sharing the gospel today, but they're not sharing the complete story. They're they're just sharing the parts of the story that are more pal- palatable to this culture today. But as Christians, as followers of Christ, we have a responsibility to share the entire uh gospel story and what the bo- gospel story is describing. And I want you to turn to 1 Timothy chapter, chapter 1. And I want to read verses 8 through 19. It's not in your handout this morning, but uh, I need to read verses 8 through 19 uh for us this morning. These are Paul's words. Uh, to Timothy, uh, pertaining to the gospel and the the sound doctrine of the gospel, the healthy story of the gospel. Beginning with verse 8, Paul says this, Now we know that the law is good if one uses it lawfully. Understanding this, that the law is not laid down for the just, but for the lawless, and disobedient, for the ungodly, and the sinners, for the unholy, and profane, for those who strike their fathers, and mothers, for murderers, for the sexually immoral, men who practice, homosexuality, enslavers, liars, perjurers, and whatever, else is contrary to sound doctrine in accordance with the gospel of the glory of the blessed God with which I have been entrusted. Now, that's a pretty serious list right there that Paul lays out for Timothy. And I want you to know that if you're a follower of Christ, if you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and Paul talks about the law... Understand that, as a follow, as as a as a child of God, the law no longer pertains to to your life. You are no longer under the law now, before we knew Christ, the law was our tu- tutor and understand this: the law is good. you and I we need the law because the law. Shows us our weaknesses. Shows us our failures. Points out our sin. And when we came into a relationship with Jesus Christ, guess what? We were transferred from underneath the law and we were transferred into a relationship with Christ. And now, and now the law is written on our hearts. It's not something that we have to obey it's a, something that we want to obey. But the law is important. God has given us a standard uh, describing His holiness, His character, His expectations for His creation. And we have to be clear about what sin is. And how we fall short of the glory of God. And we live in a day and age where culture doesn't want to hear this list. Culture wants to say, wants to hear that, you know what, God's just gonna take you for who you are. God's gonna love you where you're at. And He will love you and He does love you for where you're at. But when we come into a relationship with Christ, you know what? God transforms us from the inside. We can't stay the same. It's this sanctification process that God is taking us through to become more and more like His Son, Jesus. We can't stay there. But that's not what people want to hear today. And this is... This is the, this is sound doctrine, Paul tells us in verse 10. This is the healthy doctrine. And we need to be clear about what sin is. And when we talk about being clear about what sin is, that doesn't mean that we come across as morally superior, that we're better than them. Because you know what? We all fell under this list. We're all sinners, and praise God by the grace of God, God has rescued many of us here in this room, and so let's go on read verses twelve through eight, twelve through nineteen. But uh, let's. This is the heart. This is the attitude that we need to be expressing. Uh, the truth of the gospel with. Verse 12 says, I thank him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because he judged me faithful, appointing me to his service, though formerly I was a blasphemer, persecutor, an insolent opponent. But I received mercy, because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief and the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. I am the chief among sinners. And as we tell people the truth of the gospel church, we need to come across as if we are the chief among sinners as well. It was only by the grace of God that God said yes to me and delivered me from all my sin and oppression and chains. Verse 14, and the grace of our Lord overflowed me. Verse 15, the saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am foremost. But I receive mercy for this reason that in me as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. To the king of the ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Verse 18, this charge I entrust to you, Timothy, my child, in in accordance with the prophecies previously made about you, that by them you may wage the good warfare. Holding faith and a good conscience by rejecting this, some have made shipwreck of their faith. Boy, we want to focus on the, the love of God and how God is just overwhelmed with, with who we are and that, uh, and, uh, and that nothing can separate us from the love of God. And in Christ, that is totally true. Nothing, absolutely nothing, can separate you from the love of Christ. But first, you've got to come into the love of Christ. Yes, Jesus died for everyone, but until you acknowledge your sin. Until you realize, understand how far you fall short of the grace of God and you need His forgiveness, Jesus' death doesn't cover your sin. It can, but you've got to receive the free gift of salvation by faith. And you've got to hear the truth of who you are. Your sin, my sin, has separated us from God. You've got to understand the bad news before you can get the good news. You know, I've shared with you often that um, I have a really hard time with my weight. And when I'm living a disobedient life, I don't want to be told the truth. And where do I go to be told the truth? The bathroom scales. And when I'm living a disobedient life, those scales are gathering dust. Now another place that uh, I'm told the truth is my clothing closet, and certain clothes don't begin to fit. But folks, we need to understand the truth. we thats That's the gospel. That's the sound doctrine. It's not just the love of God. And the love of God is incredible. And we need to hone in on the love of God. But we've got to be honest. Honest about the bad news as well. We've all been given the gospel. All of us have the same amount. And God wants us to invest that good news in other people's lives. And as we invest in other people's lives, we've got to be honest about the whole story. And not just the parts that we prefer. Does that make sense? Say yes, Pastor, and we'll go on. <laughs> okay, we've all been given the gospel. The second thing that we all have the same amount of is opportunity. We all have been given the opportunity to share the good news of the gospel. Now. Some of us live longer than others, okay? I acknowledge that. But we all we all have the opportunity to share our faith with other people. And I just want to remind us that there's not a whole lot of time in this life. And we've got to take advantage of the time and the opportunity that Christ has given us. Look at James chapter 4 verse 14 says, For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 that you've been saved when you come in a relationship with Jesus Christ you have been created for good works. Ephesians 2:10 says for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared for beforehand that we should walk in them and so this is the parable this is the mina all the servants got an equal amount we have all been given the gospel we've all we all have the same opportunities to share our faith and then in verses 15 through 19 in the parable Jesus tells us that those who are faithful the faithful believers are going to be rewarded there was one good servant who had received uh, his mina, and when when uh, the nobleman returned, uh, the servant showed uh, the nobleman the mina, and he had invested that, and he had uh, built it into ten minas. And the nobleman was uh, very excited to hear this, and so the nobleman put the steward, the the, the servant, in charge of ten cities. And then there was another servant who came, and he had received a uh, a five hundred percent return on his mina, and so that servant received uh, five cities accordingly. And so you see the success here. Now I just want to encourage those of you that uh, you know you're not measuring up to those particularly particular ser- servants. I mean, you're a child of God you've been given the gospel but you don't see that kind of fruit that kind of return right now that's been happening in these servants' lives I just want to encourage you be faithful don't Don't get into the game of comparing. Because when we begin to compare ourselves with others, either we're going to develop pride or we're going to get really depressed. God has given each of us a lane to run in. And we need to stay in that lane. And we need to be faithful with who we are. Maybe you've been faithful with your, your testimony. Maybe you've shared your story with some other people, but there hasn't been any spiritual fruit from that, those conversations. You haven't led anybody to Christ yet. Just understand, fruit takes time. It doesn't develop overnight. And I am reminded of that every single spring. You know, I've, I've got my garden in order now. And, uh, in order to get my garden in order, I had to do some serious weeding. I had to, you know, get that thing in shape. And so, and I've gotten it in shape and I've planted my zucchini and my butternut squash and, uh, uh, okra, oh I planted okra by seed two weeks ago and I see two leaves so far. When it comes to gardening, when it comes to growing fruit, growing the right things, it is a very slow process. And you gotta be very patient very loving, and wait on the Lord. But you know, when it comes to weeds, you don't have to do anything to grow weeds. I mean, I've got a, a, kind of a zero scape in my front yard. And I've got weeds growing in places that I haven't watered. You know, there's there's stonework there, and there are weeds growing through uh, the cracks in the the stonework. And I have to be really diligent to stay on top of weeds to keep them under control. And that is so frustrating. And that's just one more reminder, church, that we're in in the in between age. When Jesus comes back, guess what? No more weeds. It's going to be only fruit. And that is going to be a glorious forever. But in the meantime, you need to be patient with your story. With the gospel. I want to make this comment, because, I, and I've made it before. You know, one of these days we're going to be judged. When the king, the nobleman returned, he wanted to hear reports. These first two guys, thousands percent return, five hundred percent return. But when we, when we read when the judgment is going to take place for us as Christians, when does it take place? It takes place at the end of time. Not when we die, or in the presence of the Lord. It takes place at the end of time. Why does it take place at the end of time? Because your faithfulness, your good works, your testimony, continues to be lived out in the people who are coming behind you. And the story that you've shared with them and how that has encouraged their life, and how that has motivated them to live for the Lord. You know, I think of my grandparents, and the huge impact that my grandparents have made in my personal life. You know what? Their good works, their faithfulness, is continuing to be played out in my life. In my children's lives, in my grandchildren's lives, in the people that I've shared the good news with, those, those things continue to build in their account because of their faithfulness. So don't get caught up in this statistical comparison of what is or isn't happening in your life. Be faithful. And as you are faithful, God is going to reward you accordingly at the end of time. But then we see the wicked servant The wicked servant was called into account. And what did the wicked servant have to show for himself? Only the mina. What had he done? He had taken it and he had protected it. Put it in the napkin and just kept it to himself. And when the nobleman returned, he said, here's your mind back. And Jesus describes him as a wicked servant. Is he saved? I don't know. There's, there's a distinction between the wicked servant and the others who cried out, not my king, not my president. Jesus describes him as a wicked servant, but he loses what he had received. And it's given to somebody else. Folks, 1 Corinthians chapter 3 describes um, the judgment of our works. There's going to be two different judgments. There's going to be the judgment for those who, who uh, denied Christ, But then there's going to be another judgment for the followers of Christ. And we're not going to be judged according to our sin, but we are going to be judged according to our works. And this is what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 verses 11 through 15. Paul says, for no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through the fire. So what will be remaining of our works is what the fire has not burned away. And for this servant, does this wicked servant get into heaven? Scripture doesn't tell us, but if he did, it was by the seat of his pants and he smelled like a campfire in getting there. But he lost what the nobleman had given to him. You know, I don't know what the rewards are going to look like when we get to heaven, but I think we're all going to be kind of shocked as to who gets what. You know, there are some people in the church who are so... Faithful with their mina and not keeping it to themselves, great is going to be their reward. I think of Ron Merritt. How many? How many have been visited by Ron Merritt? Let me just throw in Mark Meyer too. Mark's doing PowerPoint uh, this morning. But how many have been visited when you first came to our church by Mark Meyer or Ron Merritt? Can I see your hands? Over here, over here, over here, over here. Those men are so faithful in following up on guests who have attended our church. If you fill out a guest card, uh, you're going to receive a, a visit by the, those men. Ron Merritt's going to be in charge of a whole lot of cities when we get to heaven. And when it comes to Bill Logan, I'll be l- lucky if I get a city like Olancha. <laughs> I think we're going to be shocked at the number of saints behind the scene. Who are faithful in their witness, and they are there to help support uh, others who are in ministry leads so that the gospel might be effective. My friend, never sell your short yourself short. Don't hide your story. Don't be ashamed of your story. Be faithful. And again, you don't know where that story, where that seed, how that is going to develop in not only that person's life, but in their family for generations to come. We can count the seeds in an apple. But God can count the number of apple trees, apples in a seed. And he wants to use your story. And he's going to be keeping track. And you are going to receive a reward based upon your faithfulness. And again, don't get freaked out by what you're saying as if what you're saying is going to make or break their salvation. It's not your words. It's the gospel. It's the gospel that grows the fruit. You're responsible for casting the seed. And as you go back to Matthew chapter 13 and and the the story, the parable, the sower, you know, there was, there was some seed that fell that didn't do anything and there was other seed that did a lot, but it was all about the seed, not the sower. As a sower, you, I were just to be faithful with the story that God has given us. And then finally we see in verse 27, Those who had nothing, who wanted nothing to do with Jesus. This is just one more reminder, church, that not everybody gets into heaven. You know, there are services, uh, memorial services, funerals that I will go to. There's no testimony. And I understand that only God is the judge and only God is the one who will determine who's in and who's not in. And He has given us His Word. He's given us the truth. But when you go to those services, everybody wants to think that they're in heaven. That's what everybody wants to believe. But Jesus, one more time, reminds us in chapter 19, verse 27, he says this, and these are Jesus's loving Jesus. But as for these enemies of mine who did not want me to reign over them, bring them here and slaughter them before me. It does not go well with them. And that is the truth. And so, my question to you, as we close this morning, is: How are you doing with your mina? I want to encourage you that if you're if you're not in a ministry uh, in our church. Volunteering in some some area. The end of next month, we're going to have a ministry fair, and it is going to be uh, it's going to be a great event. Don't miss April thirtieth. But if you're wanting to be in a ministry that um, you can see some fruit, you can see people coming. To, into a relationship with Jesus, a great ministry to be in is either a children's or youth ministry. 85% of the people who pray to receive Christ, who become Christian, receive Christ between the ages of 4 and 14. I like to describe that as the 414 window. And our greatest opportunity to share the glorious good news of the gospel and see people come into the kingdom of heaven is in those age groups. We've got vacation Bible school coming up. We're starting, we're going to be having a a children's church uh, program following vacation Bible school for eight consecutive weeks. We've got a WANA back there. We've got the preschool back there. We need additional volunteers. And this is an excellent ministry where you can help share your mina and not just keep it to yourself. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for uh, this parable. And God I I admit that oftentimes I fall short in not taking advantage of the opportunities that are before me just to plant seeds, just to let people know that cross my path that God you care. That God that you love them and that we are all sinners separated separated because of our sin from God but that we don't have to stay separated that Jesus you made the ultimate sacrifice so that we could be forgiven so that we could be made brand new Lord help us help us to be faithful and keep us from trying to compare ourselves from everyone else. God, help us to stay in our lane and do what's right. And God, you see. And we will be rewarded. And it's not that we live for the reward. These ten, these two servants that received so much, God, they weren't looking for the reward but you rewarded them accordingly. So, God, that's not why we live. We live because of all that Jesus has done for us. His heads are bowed this morning. Christian, is is there somebody that God is laying on your heart that you need to plant a seed with? I mean, they're struggling, they're hurting, and this is an excellent opportunity for you to just say, hey, I care, and so does God, and I'm praying. If you're here this morning and you've never crossed that threshold of faith and Uh, There's things in your life that are just out of control and you're wondering why. God is trying to get your attention. God wants to make you His child. Not just His creation, but His child. And we become God's child through our personal relationship with Jesus. Do you need to make that decision today? Don't leave here without them. Father, thank you for this time of invitation as, uh, once again, we thank you for who you are and what you've done in our life and that there's one here today who ne- needs to make a decision for you that today, Lord, they would take advantage of this time of worship and dismiss themselves to the dining hall and find someone that they can talk to. Be glorified, Father, in this time of worship in Christ's name. Would you stand with me, please, as we worship our Lord and Savior.